wanted to just kind of share from my heart. Typically, as a lot of you know, at this time of the year, um, we have all our sermons done. We have our sermons. My sermons already are done through through um, through Easter. Like we know what our series are. We know what we want to say. We we do all that stuff quite a bit in advance. And so today's sermon um, was planned quite a while ago, and we were just going to talk about, um, hey, it's important for us to to end strong, to start strong. This whole where you go, there you are. So however we end the year is how you start the year. And and um, there really is no like magic switch when the calendar flips over. You know, it's like all your bad habits don't go away. And there's some spiritual stuff to the idea of starting new, and we'll actually talk about that next week. But in terms of, you know, how you end is really how you start. How you exit is how you enter. You know, the old saying of where you go, there you are is very true. And so we were going to kind of dialogue through some of that, but um, just really, actually last night, I was telling Vanessa, our children's director, she's not down here, um, I was telling her on the way down, I never, I'm never the last minute sermon writer guy ever. And uh, I think, gosh, it must have been like 1030 last night. Um, I felt this sermon coming on and I was like, oh man, like 1030, you know, I get up about five o'clock on Sunday mornings to be able to come here and just be ready and be alert, if you will. So now it's 1030 and God's like downloading all this stuff into my heart. And I'm like, oh, like I have my sermon ready already, you know, like, God, you got to keep up. Like, you know, I'm prepared. Like, I don't, you know, why are you doing this so last minute? You know, I don't know. God, you're, you're getting old in your old age. Like, I don't, you know, was that blasphemous to say? I don't, are we offended? Okay, good. <laughs> so, so here's where it started. And, um, and I've said this before, and, and I hope you're okay with it. I am not um, like, oh, I want to be a pastor. Like, I didn't grow, I grew up in a Christian home, and I grew up in ministry. And I never was like, oh, look at that, being a pastor, that looks awesome. I want to do that. I'm going to be a pastor. I got here because I know the importance of being obedient to the things that God has called me to. Now, I love pastoring with all my heart. I've been in seasons where I wasn't given the opportunity or I didn't have the opportunity at the time to pastor, and it drove me nuts. Um, the way that I see the world is through pastor's eyes and, and through sermons and content. It's just, it's just how I live. And so I said that to say this. I'm not the guy who's like, I'm a pastor. I love being a pastor. Here's how we be a pastor. I know that's terrible English or whatever, but here's how we be a pastor. That's not how I operate. That's not how I think. I just do what God calls me to do according to scripture, according to sound doctrine, and it doesn't always come off in the best church world package. And so today is going to kind of be that. Today is going to just kind of be me being like, hey, I'm being obedient. I'm just Josh Reese and here's what's on my heart, and here's what God was speaking to me. And for some, you may be like, oh, that's really real, what you're about to share, or what you're talking about is really real. But I hope that you can catch that and respect that, that, that really that's how Jesus was. I mean, like he went into towns and was just like, here it is. <laughs> you know, here it is. And I know it kind of ra- rocked the boat and maybe unsettled some people, but like that's how he did it, and I believe that's how we're called to do it. And I honestly think that our world and our culture is sick of like, the perfect little church package and cliches and all the bumper stickers. I think our world is really looking for some people who will just come and be real. So with that being said, um, a couple months ago, you know, we're, we're kind of wrapping up the year. And so, you know, as, as we do what we do, 
you know, we're working in seasons and times. And, and, and so looking over the last year, you know, we're just like, oh, we're so blessed. God has done so much with this church and in our lives. And probably for me, uh, being 31 years old, this year I've seen the most um, God, me- I mean, because we just took a crazy leap of faith. And this is the most God has ever like met us in terms of like, um, our dreams coming true and, and things that we had been praying for for years coming into existence and all these kinds of things. So we've had an incredible year, plenties of, plenty of highs. And I even look at the last couple months here at this church um, with the legacy offering and just watching each week um, what we need come in and, and God being able to do a work. And because we didn't know, we've never done a legacy offering. We're in our first year. We don't know how this would work. And so each week as we see that come in, just an incredible blessing. And and um, watching our, um, like our kids program, uh, they're ordering, uh, like the materials are coming in. And so probably not a big deal to you, but like for me, I don't see just like a little glue stick. Like I don't see like a little crap piece of paper. I see like those are tools for children to hear the gospel for the first time in their lives. So like as Amazon boxes show up with like buttons and like all these crazy things, I see like move of God in those Amazon boxes. Amen. And so just watching all this stuff happen and new relationships and new families that have come into the church, uh, even in the last couple months that I just know we're going to have a great connection with and that God has sent here and their answers to prayer and just seeing God's hand move um, is really exciting. So we have all these really highs um, but then we also have lows. You know, you look back on the year and, and you just go like, man, that, that stretch was really hard. And we, and we had that. And I wish we could have done that different. I wish that one had worked out like that. And, and um, you know, even recently, you just have transitions that take place. And there's seasons where, um, I'll be honest, like to do this job right, you have to love deeply. And you have to give like all of your heart. And so for me... It's hard, it's hard in ministry. Again, me not trying to be pastor guy. Um, it's hard for me because I know to do this job right, you have to give all of your heart to people and you have to love people very deeply. But with that, you know, it's not forever with some people's lives. You know that in a way, like, this is just very honest for me to say, you know that there's like divorces coming um, in relationships and connections with people and that's okay. I just want you to know that's okay. It's healthy. We'll talk about it here in a minute. But so you walk through this stuff and there's relationships that you've invested in and people that you've loved in deeply and people that you've really believed in and you saw yourself married to and going far with that uh, dissolved or divorced and then they uh, abort the relationship and then they, you know, slander and there's all these things that you're like, does this happen in church? Like, is this real? Is this? And so, you know, just struggling with some of that, like kind of even recently. And so um, last night... um, we had just some of that, just some like church yeehaw that we got to deal with. And uh, yeah, church yeehaw, we'll put that down in the minutes. And uh, so it was late, it was pretty late at night, I think like 10 or whatever. I was kind of dealing with some annoyances. And um, it always comes on Saturday night. It's always right before church, right? Like always. So, um, so anyway, so like I said, my daughter's bedroom is uh, in the basement. And that's also where um, the throne room of God is, my TV and my couch. And uh, <laughs> So I'm finished. I don't even remember what game it was, but there was like a bowl game on and I'm kind of dealing with some of this stuff. And uh, Caroline starts to just whimper a little bit. And so I go in her room and obviously it's, 
just got done with Christmas. And so you go in there and there's like, it's like her new gifts and uh, just like this really cool atmosphere. She's got like the little, I'm going to change the subject just so I can find myself. <laughs> She's got like the little um, nightlight thing. It, you push the button, it like puts all the stars on the sky and whatever. So she's laying in bed, like all covered up with like her 300 little babies. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, like oh, I'm going to just get in there and lay with her and help her feel better. And now I'm at the age or at the point in my life where like it's kind of a minefield when you're trying to find a place to sit down or lay down. You get like a baby's arm in the back here, you know, so... <laughs> You should just leave, like, just, if Jess would just, you go back there and I'll be okay. <laughs> People always, like, get on me, like, oh, you're so emotional, you're such a chick. If I ever don't do this, <laughs> you laugh because you all think it. If I ever don't do this, retire me, please, I'm being honest. Like, if I ever don't do this, then I don't need to be here anymore. <laughs> okay. So, anyway. So again, this is just me being really real. So I jump in bed with her, and I'm, I'm kind of calming her down. And I, I, I'm not even really praying. I'm just kind of telling God, like, hey, um, God, I want Caroline to serve you and love you and follow a call in her life. But I don't want her to be hurt by, like, ministry and church. And, you know, she spends a lot of time here with us and, like, she makes relationships like we make relationships. And, and so people will come in and out of her life and friends. And, and she's young and innocent. So I just, God, like, I want her to follow you and serve God and love you and, 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 and be a world changer. But I don't want her to deal with this. I don't want this for her. And so I'm just kind of telling God, like, oh, what do we do? How do we handle this? How do we whatever? And I felt really clear from God him saying to me, Josh, if I removed you from moments of pain or betrayal or frustrations or, or, or that fight in ministry, the fight of good and evil, if I pulled you out of that, like, how would you feel? Like, how would you feel in life? And I thought about my life, like, if I didn't have the battle if I didn't have the fight, if I didn't have the pain, if I didn't have the betrayal and the hurt and, and all the things that go in this whole concoction, if you will, if I didn't have that, I would actually be really dissatisfied. Can anybody relate to that? Like, and so here I'm going like, this is weird. I feel like God's telling me that it's part of it. That like even for Caroline, this is gonna be part of it for her as she grows, as you do anything effective. And so I would love to get up here and preach a Joel Osteen sermon that says, like, your best life now, you can conquer it. But today, to end the year, like, I'm actually going to talk about that the struggle is okay, that the hurts are okay. Like, it's part of it. And so for me, I know, like I said, in this business, if you will, I don't mean to call it a business, but like sometimes we have to look at it that way. In this world of ministry, uh, you have to love deeply and you have to give all of your heart and you have to give your best and there'll be betrayal. And we'll actually take a look at Jesus' life about how that interacted. Uh, but I've been in seasons and, I, and I'm bringing it up because I want to say it to you too. It's part of 
the call of God on your life when you go through things that you don't understand. God, I don't understand. That's why the scripture says we have to, we can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Meaning I don't understand it. I don't get how it's going to work out, but God can still promise peace in it. And so I want to encourage you. Uh, for me, I'm a person who with all my heart, I invest. And the thing about it too is like I did a ministry test when we were planting the church and it says about me that I'm a faith person, that I'll, I'll follow you into the fight. Like we'll take the charge, we'll take the risk. Now, when we talk about the battle plan, like I may cry while we're talking about the battle plan, <laughs> but like I'll, I'll get in the faith fight with you, like we'll go do it. But the second highest gift that I had in that is highly relational. And so for me, like I always touch and connect and, and love people and love to connect with people and spend time with people. And so for me in this business, as I shared, I'm in this faith fight and I love to have people with me and we love to go do it. But yet then in this ministry, we'll also lose people and we'll also lose things. And I'm trying to explain it to like common person, not ministry related, but like things that you thought were stability will be removed and you say like, oh, that's a hard word. It's true. We'll talk about it here in a minute because we aren't supposed to be married to like those stable things. We're supposed to be married to God, like our provider. And we get so caught up in the things. I heard somebody say once, um, we, have to love, we have to love the face of God and not the hand of God. What does that mean? It means so often we're like, what God can do for me, what he can provide for me, what he can do for me, instead of just God. Like I just love God. If all those other things were removed, I love just God. And, and so that's where we got to be and that's where we got to live. And so for me, I'm highly relational, but I also know um, that there's going to be things that come and go in my life. And so I started to think about it is we are wired for a certain level of fight or pain or things that we have to go through. The scripture says about David, and I can't get into the whole thing, but God said about David, oh, that guy, he's a man after my own heart. That guy gets it. He's like me. And we say, well, what was it about him? I mean, he was a murderer. He had affairs. He was, all these things were inappropriate about him. He did all these things. What is it about him? But if you go through his life, he always was the most engaged by anybody around him. Like he always did it to the full degree. The scripture says he's leaving his best friend. And the scripture points out that they, and this is kind of a weird thing, but it says that they kissed each other and they went separate ways. But the writer went out of his way to say that David wept more. And the scripture says about uh, David that in the streets when he danced, that everybody was offended because like he danced to the most extreme. And so the thing I think about David's heart that God was really pleased with was that he was all in, that he was just a person that like, hey, whatever it is, engage me in this thing 100%. I don't want to be passive. I want to be in it 100%. And so I think for us, that's where we got to be all engaged, no matter what happens or hurts or kind of crumbles around us, we need to be all in. I was thinking about the scripture where they say, hey, how many times in a day should we forgive? And we don't have time to read it all, but the scripture says seven times 70, Jesus would reply that you should forgive those that hurt you in one day. Seven times 70, that's how many times somebody can offend you and you should forgive them in one day. And what I love about the scripture, a few scriptures later, is they didn't rebuttal it. They actually responded by saying, we need more faith increase our faith was the response. And I love the disciples response to it. It says this, oh, okay. 
So doing this Jesus thing, being a part of this call of God, walking out what God called us to do in our community, we're going to have offenses come. We're going to have opportunities where we're going to have to extend grace and forgiveness. Let's not complain and debate about those things happening. Let's instead just pray, God, increase my faith. Somebody say amen. And so I think that is a great way. And Jesus even, his approach with how he kind of interacted with people, you've heard me say this before, Jesus didn't come preaching how right he was. Jesus came preaching and building a bridge to the way. He didn't come and say, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, this is how you're wrong, this is how you're wrong. He just came and said, this is the way, this is the way. And so he didn't get down and, well, you got it wrong, and so I'm going to fix you over here, and you got it wrong, so I'm going to fix you over here. He didn't spend all his energy putting people in their right place on the shelf and making everything. No, he just said, hey, this is the way. This is what we're doing. This is the way to heaven. This is the way to the things of God. And here's what I believe. If we as a church and as a people can stop trying to put people on their shelves and make everybody right and put everything in the thing, if we can just say, hey, here's how God's doing it. You should come with us. If we can just show the way instead of trying to tell everybody the way, we'll have more fruit. Somebody say amen. And so I think too often there's a hurt or there's an offense or like one of our stable core pieces leave us or uh, this thing falls apart or we don't get the job or we don't get the promotion and all these things happen and we go, wait, we get offended by God and we say it's supposed to be in this place instead of just trusting God along the way. I thought about this. We say, well, you know, people, I just feel used. I feel used. Uh, I heard a great pastor, Matthew Barnett, runs the Dream Center in Los Angeles he was talking about how they do these pizza giveaways all the time. And down on the streets of Skid Row, they go down and they give away pizza and they love on homeless people. And somebody asked him once, you know, you've spent hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars giving away free food. And uh, you don't see those people. Like, you don't they, don't, they don't come to your church. You know, there's not this whole thing. And he said this, he said, sometimes to be the bridge to the cross or to be the bridge to Jesus or to be the bridge to heaven, you have to be willing to be walked on. So all of us are like, oh, I want to reach people. I want to connect. I want to do it. Are you willing to be walked on? Like, are you willing to, you may not see the return. You may not see uh, this big praise report and like you did this thing and right away people, is, are you, would you still do it if you didn't see it? Why? Because sometimes we just got to be a people who say, hey, I'm laying down my life. I'm willing to be hurt. I'm willing to sacrifice. I must decrease so he can increase. I'm going to be the person who will lay down and allow people to walk on me or to walk through uh, my life in order that, that Christ might gain. Amen? Yeah. And I'm not saying ridiculous stuff. I'm not saying we should you know, put ourselves in a situation where we're treated like trash. But I'm saying we should have a mindset that says, you know, I'm willing to make a way for others. I thought about this. Jesus knew all the disciples would leave him, and he still chose them. Even Peter, on this rock, I will build my church, and they have this whole moment. He knew Peter would deny him publicly three times. Like we, so, all, so he knew. Think about Judas. Jesus is Jesus. He's God. He's Messiah. And he's gathering his core team, if you will, the disciples. And he knows every single one of them are going to betray what he spent this time building. And he still goes, hey, Judas, who's going to steal from me? Why don't you carry the money bag? But us in ministry, we're like, oh, can't nobody hurt me? And, and, and nobody should, there's no, listen, 
in this world, like we, we keep everything like under plastic as Christians, like, oh, my little religious house in my religious neighborhood, like, don't bring your mess over here. <laughs> I got to stay holy. I'm not here for you. I'm not here. I'm here for me. Okay. And, uh, and it's just not God's design. God's design is love God first, but then there's no greater love than those that lay down their life for others. And so, hey, come in, let's love this. Let's love each other towards God. Let's love others toward God. Let's, let's be in this, even though it may hurt, even though at times it may not turn out right, even though at times you're going to lose sleep and you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be offended, and it's, it's not going to work out the way that you had the vision for it to work out. But don't quit. Matthew 5.10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness or for the gospel. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you. Blessed are you. Like, let's just focus on that part. <laughs> Scripture is saying it's literally a blessing on you. Like, it's a blessing you're operating in when you are insulted, when you're persecuted, when people falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of God. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So if you're living in a way that it's messy for the cause of God, I'm not saying you're going out and doing a bunch of stupid, selfish stuff and you've offended people. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about you're living in a way that you're loving God and you're going after the things of God and you're trusting God and it offends people that you're that blessed are you is what the scripture says. And you're actually following in the same way of those that have gone before you. I was 19 when I became a youth pastor full-time. So my first call in ministry, I was 19. And it was about the time the Passion of the Christ came out. Uh, Passion of Christ, Passion of the Christ, whatever it's called. <clears throat> the Mel Gibson movie, whatever. And um, our, our church bought out the movie theater. And they, um, they were just showing free showings of it to all kinds of people in the community. And I went into the movie at 19, growing up as a church kid, thinking like, okay, you're going to see the crucifixion. All this stuff's going to really change your life and wreck your world. And it did. I mean, it definitely has a significant impact. But what really got me in that movie was because I was young and messing up stuff in ministry probably and just had all the frustrations of real life ministry. And, um, and I remember there's a scene in the movie where the Jesus is with his disciples and he says, the scripture that I can read you in a minute, he says, no servant is greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will surely persecute you. And it's interesting that our philosophy is that there should be no, again, this plastic, religious, perfect church, there should be no mess, there should be no, but it's just not true. Like even Jesus gave a warning like, hey, if I'm Jesus and I had a hard time doing this, there's going to be times in your obedience that you're still going to have a hard time. And I think that's really hard when you're walking pure and you have a pure heart and you have clean hands and you're going, God, why is this happening to me? I'm only being obedient to you and I'm, and I'm walking in this um, purely and, and righteously and I'm still dealing with these kinds of things. That was Jesus. That was Jesus. He, he was with no sin and yet things still didn't go according to the plan. Now, obviously, we know it went according to the plan, but uh, in his life, all those persecutions, John 15, 10, that's why it says, a servant, like I said, is no greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. I heard this thought, by his, the scripture says, by his stripes, we are healed. 
And I grew up in church again, and, and as I've said before, you hear that and you get used to, by his stripes, we are healed. And so what he did on the cross and the stripes uh, that he bore on his body provided our healing. And we put that in the big biblical um, like theology for why we believe in healing and all this kind of stuff. But I heard somebody say it like this, by his wounds, we are healed. And so if we're Christ followers, could it be that through your wounds in life, others are restored? Like how many have ever had that happen where you've just gone through something nasty and hard and just, oh, this was awful. And but years later, you met somebody who needed to talk to you about it. And you had the same story. And by your wounds in your life, you were able to help heal that person. If we're talking about really being Christ-like, shouldn't that be close to the same there? Through our pains, others can be restored and raised to new life. Through our wounds and our struggle and our story, through those, others can experience new life. Um, I just love that idea. Uh, a mentor of mine used to always say this. He would say, a seed has to die in order for something to grow. And so in our life, it's easy for us to pray, oh God, grow us, grow us. We want more. We want to see this. But like what in your life will need to die? What in your, in your life will need, to, will need to be stripped away or will need to be removed in order for something new to grow? And, um, and it's just, everybody's just like, oh, I'm uncomfortable with that theory or that theology. I'll explain it here in a minute. You'll see it. But honestly, a lot of times in our life, it's just like, hey, God, um, I need to empty my hands. God's got something new for you to grab hold of. But in order to grab hold of the new, sometimes we have to empty our hands of the old. And that's really hard. God, I have to let go of that. I have to, that, we're going to let that part go. But what he has is always better. John 15, 2 says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. He's always pruning us in our life. Like, where can we be better? Where can we be stronger? Where can we be more healthy? Because listen, healthy things grow. If it's healthy, if it's alive, it's growing. If it's not growing, you know, so plants and all these different kind of things, healthy things grow. And so for in our lives, uh, we have to be healthy in order to grow. And one of my mentors always said this, growth in our lives, growth without change is impossible. You can't grow up as a little kid without your body changing. Uh, we got a two-year-old right now, and like, honestly, every week she's in a new size because healthy things grow. You're just always growing, always growing. Healthy things grow, but through that growth, stuff has to change. Our environment has to change. And so for us, we love to go, well, no, it's always been this way. It should stay this way. It should always be this way. No. And we try to keep it in this plastic, and it's just not reality. It's not the way God called us to, to follow him. Um, I thought about this. Uh, oftentimes, I can see God's view. Uh, we have a little dog basket that our dog toys uh, are in. Uh, we got a golden retriever and a yellow lab. So we keep their dog toys um, in this basket. And so the other day, Caroline, um, we were, sh she actually likes playing football. It's really weird. She is two. But in the, and it's Holly, it's the Blaucamp's, Zealand West Ducks fault. We took her to a football game and she loves it. So she's always saying to me, uh, tackle, you know, we got some living room space in the basement. So she likes to run and me tackle her or whatever. So she was getting one of the dog balls out of there, which of course is nasty. It's been in their mouth, like it's all this stuff. And so she wants to run around and say, oh, no, 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 no. You don't want that one. You want this one. And so I went over to her room and got her a different one. And so, so often in our lives, we do the same thing. 
We get so married to, I want that one. This is the one I want. I want this one. No, this is the one. And God's like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. You don't want that. You don't want that season anymore. You don't want that structure anymore. What you really want is this one because this one's better. Will you just trust me that you don't want that one? You're over that one. You need this one. And, and that, again, is hard. It's hard, amen? I'll close with this. Uh, Trav, if you want to come play. I thought about this, the scripture that says this, I've become all things to all men that I might reach a few uh, or that others may be saved is one translation. I didn't look it up. I just threw it down. But the scripture says, I've become all things to all men that I might reach a few or that I might lead some in the gospel or, or whatever you want to say there. But could it be that becoming all things to all people could be what I talked about? You've become a hurt person. Like you've, you've, you've experienced hurt. I've become a person who can relate to you in maybe this area. So when the scripture says, I've become all things to all men, we think like, oh, that means like relating and how we preach the gospel and all this kind of stuff. Could it be that I've become all things to all men that I might be able to reach and connect? It means like, hey, you, you just have a story. You've just gone through some things. You've become a person who has a real story. We know the scripture says that even Jesus, it said, for we do not have a king or a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all ways was tempted and yet was without sin. What is, what is Jesus there? Jesus is somebody who's saying like, look, I've been, I've been through it. I get it. I know the ups, the downs. I know the highs, the lows. I'm glad he knows the highs because he can lead us into the, the mountaintop moments. And we believe in those, especially here at this church. We, we like to celebrate. We believe in that. Uh, but also a, a God who can relate to us when we're in our lows and when we're, when we're down. God who says like, hey, I get it. I, I love that idea. Mark 10, 29. It says, truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields. And then it says, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. I love this scripture that it says this. Number one, Jesus notices, God notices every sacrifice we make. How clear. Look at all the things that, look at the umbrella that he made there. Brothers, sisters, mothers, father, fields, um, the gospel, homes, all those things that we can get attached to or that our hearts can be connected to. But he says, listen, if, if you sacrifice any of those things in obedience to me for the gospel, in this present age, God will honor you and make up to you those things that you've given up for the gospel. But then also at the end, it just throws in, but hey, there'll be seasons of persecution. Like there'll be seasons that it's hard and that it's rough and it's not this perfect like 10 steps to your best life kind of book. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna be tough. But in the age to come, also eternal life. So he promises good things in our present age, but then also in eternal life. And God notices where we're at. Sometimes the struggle, sometimes the pain, sometimes the frustration, we believe the lie that it's not God. Like, oh, God must have left me. He's not obeying me. I'm not shining as bright as somebody else, or I don't have it like this, or I don't have it like that. You've heard the saying that I've said, a lot of people want to be the chandelier in God's living room, this big, bright, like, oh, look at that. But it's the nightlight in God's hallway that actually helps people from stumbling more than the chandelier ever will. It's just that little consistent, faithful, always there, always leading the way in the hard time, always leading in the dark time. 
So my prayer for this church is that we be a mature, intelligent body that says, hey, we know it's not all going to be perfect postcard Christianity, but number one, we trust God. And number two, we're there for each other. Right? Like we're just loving others towards God because that's what we're called to do. No greater love than those who lay down their life. So I think it's okay that Caroline might have some bumps in the road. Like I left the night being like, hey, it'll be okay. Because number one, I trust God. And number two, I believe she'll have a place like this, vertical church or wherever God calls her in her future, that can be a people that are there for her and that are there for your kids. And that's why we invest in kids. And that's why we invest in the Vertical Healing Center. And that's why we invest in Kids Hope. Why? Because we want to be a people who say like, hey, it's not going to be perfect, but it can be great if we trust God. Amen? I love this. Second Timothy. It's kind of a long scripture. Oh, let me back up a second. Thinking about Jesus, literally, came in a manger, led by a supernatural star. Wise men show up and visit him. Later in his life, He's literally in a corner, being falsely accused, spit on, hit with his rod. People are like gambling over his clothes, unto death. Like what? Came in this great heroic Messiah, ends like in this, uh, and of course it didn't end. We know he returned, uh, went through hell and victory, which really right there, that's enough, right? Even Jesus literally went through hell, but gained us victory. So 2 Timothy says this, kind of long, but, but I'll go quick. A couple of scriptures and we'll be done. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us does not, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Literally in here. Like, hey, you've been given power and this great authority and we have this great thing, but join with me in some suffering. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Let's end our year strong. Join me in some suffering. (laughs) Matthew 5, 38. You have heard it. You have heard that it was said eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt and hand your coat over as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile with them, then go too. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away the one who wants to borrow from you. Verse 43, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. Both. Both God does. Then it says, if you love, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you only greet your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? And then it says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And really the translation of perfect here is be pure. 
be above reproach. Like live your life in a way that you don't chase the person who's doing you wrong or the thing that didn't go right. Don't make that your God. It's saying live in a way, love your enemy. If one tells you to go one mile, go two. Live in a way that you're just above reproach. You're living in a way that your hands are clean, your heart is pure. Why? Because it's God who chooses to send sun on them and rain on them. There's no blessing that you can put like on yourself. Like we're all subject to God and it's God's job, not ours, to put anything in order. It's God's. All we're called to do is be pure or be perfect. Amen? And so for you, for us, I thought about Esther. Esther walked into the king's court and her verbiage was, if I perish, I perish, but I'm obeying God anyway. I thought about Jonathan and his armor bearer. He says, do all that is in your heart. I'm with you all the way, even though they were surrounded. And then he said, the Lord, it, the, the Lord may work for us or he may not, but I'm with you. His heart was like, hey, I trust God. I'm going for it. I believe that, but it might not work out. He was willing to say like, God, I trust you through whatever the outcome you're still God. And I thought about Jesus. And the last thing I'll say, Jesus even said, for it was the joy that was set before me that he endured the cross, the shame, the pain, all of that stuff he went through. And he was able to call it the joy set before him. Why? Because the joy set before him is what it gained him after. So my encouragement to you is, hey, you're going through something hard. You've had a rough season. You've had a bad stretch. There's joy on the other side of that if you trust God and you live in a way that you're above reproach and that you're staying pure. Amen? Let's do this. Why don't you all stand? I can't see what time it is. Can somebody? 45, okay. So real quick, we'll get you out of here in just a minute, but I want to kind of pray this into our hearts and then we'll take up our legacy offering and then we'll, we'll go home. But this is legacy. This is, this is the legacy right here. Uh, our legacy offering is, this is the theme throughout these areas of ministry. It's like, hey, we're going to love people. We're going to do it through the Vertical Healing Center. We're going to do it through Vertical Kids and we're going to do it through Kids Hope. We're going to be a people that like, hey, not I live, but Christ that lived in me, we're going to love on people. So let's pray. We'll just kind of pray this into our hearts and just believe going into 2015 that there can be a joy set before you no matter what's going on in life. Um, God, we love you so much. We thank you for this word, Lord. We thank you for your heart towards us. Scripture says you'll never leave us or forsake us. Uh, Lord, we trust that and we know that. And Lord, we just ask that um, whatever may be set before us, Lord, we know that there can be joy in the midst of it. There can be um, health and um, there can be life as we go forward in the things that you have for us. And so, Lord, help us to lean in and trust you that though it may be times of persecution or frustration, Lord, we know that it's for the good in some area. Lord, let us be a people that we understand that sometimes through our woundedness, we open the door for someone's restoration. Lord, let us walk in a way that we can see and view ourselves in that manner. In Jesus' name, amen.